So let me answer a couple questions and break it down really uh, practically tonight. The first question is, why do we worship? Why do we worship? Why do we come in here every Sunday night and have an opening song and then do some things and then have two or three songs of, of worship and singing and praising and, and moments that are, are, are powerful and, and intimate and connecting and, 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 and they, they mean something? Like, why do we do this? Let me, let me break it down into the three simple things. And there's, there's a lot more, but here's the three that I want to focus on tonight. First, why? First and foremost, it's because he alone is God and he alone is worthy. And this is the most important one because all the other ones are subsequent. They're under this one. This one you've got you to begin to chew on first before you can really get to two and three. Why do we worship? Because he's God. Because there is nobody above the God that we're singing to. Like there's, he is alpha and omega, beginning and end. There's no bigger dog than God. He is the biggest. And why does that matter? It's because like when it comes to the fact that he's a... He's above everything. Like we are, we are his created beings. And, and to ascribe back to him, like David declares, to ascribe back to your maker praise and glory and adoration and thanks. It's, it's, it, just, it makes sense that the only one that's worthy of it is God. And that's why we worship him. If there was somebody more worthy than God, we, we should and we, we should worship that person. But there's not. God's the only one worthy of human beings to stand back and go, thank you. You are everything. You've given me everything. The breath that I even have in my lungs to sing this is from you. You've saved me. You made me. You've got a plan for me. You, you pulled me out of a pit of depression. You pulled me out of a place of hopelessness. He's the only one that can and will for eternity have that place. And here's why that's important, because there's going to be a lot of things in your life. I love Amanda's moment where she prayed and challenged us in the middle of our worship time, because some of you are right stab in the middle, dab in the middle. It's not stab. I just, I'm so like, from that whole thing, so I just want to stay away from that word. You're right, dab in the middle. By the way, let me just get something clear because I don't know if this person is here, but I just found out about this. This is a thing going on. I'm learning. I'm trying to stay up with youth culture. I really am. <laughs> but I did an Instagram. I don't do, I don't, I hardly ever do Instagram videos, ever. But I'm like, all right, I got an Instagram video. I got something on my heart I want to challenge people with because God's challenging me with it. And I don't always do that, but I'm like, I'm going to do it. And I just finished working out, had an AirPod in, was listening to a book, <laughs> audio book, Audible. And I was like getting ready, still, I'm trying to listen to this book, getting in the car, and I'm, and I'm like, you know what, this is, I wanted to clarify something, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this little video, and I was just listening to my audiobook. I didn't think about it, pushed my little Instagram thing on hands-free, so I'm safe and all, right, because I, I so I did it, and I started making my video, just a quick little challenge, and then I had like three different people hit me up and be like, why are you trying to flex on us, Pastor Chase, with your AirPods? <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about? First of all, I wasn't flexing at all, I had a jacket on. <laughs> second of all what are you talking about with airpods and then I, I brought this up recently to a couple other students they're like yeah that's like a thing there's like a big thing with airpods and stuff going on that i didn't know about so anyway i was like did you hear anything that i said or were you just you just looking at my airpods and i'm not flexing all right <laughs> it's because why we worship it's because he alone is worthy. He alone is worthy. The first and second commandment that we're given in Exodus, 
that God gives Moses is you shall have no other God before me and don't worship any other gods. Like out of the gate, God's like, hey, got some things for you guys to consider and follow with the rest of your lives. First two are going to be about worshiping me. So just pay attention because those are the first two I'm giving you. And if God's, God's a God of order. So if he's going to give us 10 things from the Old Testament in those 10 commandments, number one's pretty important because for whatever reason, God decided that's the most important one to give us out of the gate. And it has to do with our worship. He alone's worthy. Why that's important for us is because you're going to be going through things that don't always feel like worshiping. But you got to come back to that why, that even when you don't feel like it, and even when your life and your situations that you have in front of you don't make sense, I love what Amanda said, still, he's worthy of our praise. He alone is still worthy. He alone is still God. And that's the first reason of the why. King of kings, Lord of lords, he spoke the entire universe into existence. We worship him because he alone is God. He alone is worthy. Second reason why we worship is that it creates unity in the body. So some of you are like, body, what are we talking about? The body, we, the, the scriptures reference uh, body as, as the people of God, as the different functions of the people of God. This room, let's just speak to LWI. It creates unity in LWI. Why we worship is when we come together on, on nights like this, and like next week we have a worship night, or any opportunity that you get to have with other believers that follow Jesus and love Jesus, and you gather together and you declare with your mouth, like David declared in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, all of those things about who God is and you're together and you're singing up and your eyes are up and you're taking your mind and heart off of the things that have been weighing you down and stressing you out and compressing on your soul and you're like, boom, God's going to get my, my focus and my attention and he's going to get the words coming out of my mouth. When that happens with a bunch of people doing it all at the same time, unity comes like, like nothing else. Like, it's the kind of unity that comes when people experience a tragedy together. I think about people that experience something just absolutely devastating. And maybe you, maybe you experience, you can remember a moment you were, you know, I, you hear stories about people that were caught in, 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 a, in a crazy emergency, like something took place, like the elevator broke and they were stuck in an elevator or, you know, something happened where they, they didn't know each other before the emergency happened and then they, they, they became best friends. They bonded over something. That unity that comes from experiencing something tragic or experiencing something like intense together, the same kind of thing happens when we worship together. It creates unity in the body. It creates unity in the people of God. And that's a big reason of the why. We need unity because there's a lot of division. You guys experience this all the time. At school, I mean, I experienced this between Black Hills and Tumwater at the basketball game Friday night. There's just a lot of division. There's a lot of animosity. But seriously, on a serious note, there's animosity everywhere we go. In friendships, in, in races, in different cultures, in the way that we think about and talk about people that don't believe the way we believe. When we come together and we worship our creator, it creates unity in the body. Yeah. Something powerful happens. Yeah, I really believe it's a little glimpse of heaven. Like that little 20 minutes we have together here is just a little window into what heaven is going to be like to some degree when we're in eternity. So it creates unity. That's number two. Number three, what happens, or sorry, the why, why do we worship? Number three, this is more personal to you, connection and intimacy with the Father. When I look back on my life following Jesus, my relationship with him, which has had a lot of ups and downs, by the way. Can we be real? As a youth pastor, as a, as a pastor, as a Christian, as a 
husband, dad, friend, all those things. Like, my relationship with Jesus has not always just been, like, rock solid. Like, I've had a lot of ups and downs with him. And you know what? I'm, the more and more I walk with Jesus, the more and more I realize, like, that's really okay. So maybe just pause for a moment for some of you in here, because some of you in here are carrying a lot of guilt of, like, you know the right things, and you've been taught the right things, you've been raised the right way, and all these things which are really good. There's a lot of seeds that have been planted, but you were wrestling with this guilt of, like, your relationship with Jesus is not good, or it hasn't really been a relationship for a period of time. Let me just, let me release you from some, some guilt and condemnation tonight. That's not the way God feels about you. I mean, he longs for you to have connection and intimacy with him, to be close. That's his heart's desire. But he's not bringing this judgment of wrath on you like, yeah, you've been messing up. Where have you been? Get your act together. Come back to me. Like, no, God's arms are wide open. He's a step behind you because he's just like literally waiting for you just to turn around. I'm like, I'm right here. I'm ready to just whenever you are. But when we worship, it creates connection and intimacy with the Father. When I think about the moments in my life that I felt the greatest connection with God. Like I'm talking difficult to describe with words type of connection. It wasn't through messages that I heard from my youth pastor and my senior pastor in the chairs. Those were great. I don't remember like 99% of them, which is kind of sucky for me as I do a lot of this with my life. The fact that y'all won't remember really any of these things. But they all work towards something. So I can believe in that. Like the seeds are being deposited. Praise God. But when I really look back on my journey with Jesus, it, it wasn't about the sermons. It, it really was about the moments in worship of connection and intimacy with the Father that, that I look back as markers in my life with Jesus. I had a moment this morning that I will look back on for weeks to months in worship Sunday morning. During the last couple moments of the song, of the last song of the last set, I, where I, I had nothing else to do but to just get on my knees before the Father because I was remembering the pit that he's pulled me out of. And the fact that I, I had this picture of him, because we were singing the last line of, of, of living hope. Ah, somebody, worship leader in here, give me the last, the, last, the, 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 the last verse before we go to the chorus. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion. Here's, I'm, I'm sorry. Here's the moment. Here's the moment. Though. I was so caught up. Here was the moment I got. That was the line. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. Talking about Jesus in the tomb after he'd been crucified and, and killed on the cross and laid in the tomb with a fatty stone that had to take several guys to put it in front of the... Someone's out there. I have no idea what just happened. So someone's out there to help me. A big, a big stone? Fatty stone? Okay, I'm like, is that, is that a term that I don't know? What's going on? Cool, guys. Sick, sick, sick. Tight, tight, tight. Cool, 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 cool. A big stone, a big rock that it took several guys to put in front of the tomb to lock this dead body in. I had this picture of Jesus just in all of his glory with the, with the big rock blown out and him just standing at the grave, the empty grave behind him, just like, yeah, I just defeated death and the grave and Satan. Let's go. And I just saw, I saw this moment of Jesus, like literally holding the keys to the chains of my sin in that moment and like just unlocking. And I just like broke. And I was just like, God, thank you. Like I'm so messed up. I've been so messed up. You've pulled me out of some of the darkest places in seasons of my life that people thought I was good on the outside, but on the inside, I wasn't. 
And the amount of connection and intimacy I have with the Lord in that moment, like I will remember that moment. I don't remember the words of the songs and all those things, but I will remember that moment for a long time. Why do we worship? Because it creates connection and intimacy with the Father. And man, what does a generation need more than anything else? I believe they need more connection and intimacy with the Father. Like, I can tell you stuff that all up and down, this is how you should do things, and this is the way you should live, and this is right, and this is wrong, black and white, truth or lie, all the different things that are there. But at the end of the day, if you aren't getting closer to the presence of God and having a connection and intimacy with the Father yourself, like, that's, that's all that matters. And so worshiping in song creates these kind of moments and opportunities for us to experience that. That's a big why. That's a big reason. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, now we have that privilege of coming boldly into God's presence. We don't have to like hesitate and like come in like, is it, is it safe for me to come in now, God? Because I feel like I confessed all my sin out there. And can I come in and worship now? I'm like, just no, like we, because of what Jesus did, what I just talked about, he died for our sins. He, he, he resurrected from, from, the, from the grave. Because of that, we now have this opportunity, this gift. But when we come together and worship, in song, we get to just walk right in without having to go, okay, do I have everything right? Am I? No, we get to walk right into God's presence because we don't walk in in our own merit, like in our own works, in the own good things that we've done. We get to walk in in the good things that Jesus has done. Like we get to walk through that door. Like, hey, here's the, the door that my son died for you to walk through. Boom, now you're in God's presence. Because of Jesus, we have that opportunity. I love that. Man, we need some more connection and intimacy with the Father. So that's the why. Cool. There's the why. There's three thoughts for you for the why. Let's, let's talk about the what happens when we worship for a moment because this is kind of a little bit more teaching now. A little bit more like what happens when we do this together. So we're not just like, it's not just music that sounds good. It's not just like a bass that's like hitting you in the chest. It's not just like people crying or jumping or moshing or dancing or starting to smell really bad, wishing you they wore deodorant. Some of you know what I'm talking about in here. Some of that happened. Like little little precursor or like little whatever it's called, public service announcement for y'all in here. You're in high school now, so just in case you don't, wear deodorant. Okay? Gentlemen, especially you, talking to you boys. Just just a quick little tidbit of advice for you. Right before you walk into this place, just do a little okay, and then you can come in and you can be pretty secure and know you're smelling all right. What happens when we worship? You ready? Number one, what happens when we worship? God inhabits the praises of his people. Scripture says in Psalms 23 that when, when the people praise, when the people worship God, that the very presence of God inhabits that praise. Like he can't help but be drawn into it. Like God is everywhere all the time. He's omnipresent, but omnipresent. But there's something that happens on a real potent level when we worship that attracts the presence of God like nothing else. So what happens when, when we gather together and we worship, or you're worshiping by yourself in your room or in your car? I've had some amazing worship times with the Lord in my car by myself. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You don't have to wait until Sunday night to get to experience it. You can do it by yourself in your room, turn a little worship, a worship song on or in your car, whatever. But what happens is the presence of God comes in on a more manifest way in that moment because he's drawn into it. And that's a big deal. Because like I said earlier, what we need more of than anything else is God's presence. And so when we worship, we attract that. That's what happens when we worship. Second thing that happens when we worship, 
We make war on the enemy. And this is where the title of my message comes, Worship is Warfare. Because this faith that we're living, some of us that are, that are following Jesus, some of you that aren't yet, but you're here and you're listening. This faith that we're living, it's not a game. Like Christianity is not a, a fun game to play for a couple years in high school and then bail. Or like dabble and just be like, yeah, 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 but it's, it's cool to be Christian. And like it'll make this girl more attracted to me if she thinks I'm a Christian like I do with this whole worship thing. Or vice versa. Like this isn't a game. It's war. And here's what I mean. I'm not trying to over-exaggerate it, but we live, we live in, a, in, a, in a real world. We are physical beings really living in a spiritual world. It's not the opposite. We're not, sorry, we are spiritual, <laughs> we are spiritual beings living in a physical world. What does that mean? There's a spiritual fight going on all the time around us. The Bible speaks to it. There's, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that we're not aware of in regards to like what's happening in the spiritual realm all around us all the time. There's a war going on, spiritual warfare. We see this taking place back in Ezekiel. Uh, Lucifer, who we would refer to now as Satan, who's like the enemy of God, right? It's all throughout the scripture. Before he became the enemy of God, he was actually the worship leader in heaven. And then he, had, he got prideful and basically was like, I can kind of do this on my own. And I really like this stuff that's happening. And so basically pride was what took him out of his position. And he was cast out of heaven with a legion of angels that were with him. And that's what we would look at now as the spiritual realm of, of darkness, that Satan and his, and his demons. And there's a lot of that. And we'll talk more spiritual warfare stuff on a different night because I think it's super interesting. And a lot of people are like, yeah, that's a little too much for me. But there's some legitimacy to what the scriptures are saying. Yeah. But when we worship... Worship, like in the Bible times, like before the people of God would go into war, they always sent out the worshipers and musicians first. Like that's just silly. Like the, there's this big old army of people that are coming with swords and chariots and all kinds of different things. And they're like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take all the like the, the creatives, like the, you know, maybe, maybe not super, you know, I'm not, there's a lot of hybrid people here. But like we're going to take the people that like don't necessarily love to fight. We're going to put them on the front lines. And let them sing and play some music. And those will be the front people that lead us into the battle. Sounds like a great plan. What in the world? But here's what, here's what the people of God knew. Worship was more powerful than any weapon any physical man could bring. Because we're in a spiritual fight. Worship is warfare. It makes war on the enemy. When we worship, we actually make war on the enemy. Because it connects to him on a deeper level than anything else. Because it's what he was created to do. So when the people of God are worshiping their maker, the enemy cannot stand it. And he, there's, this, there's this like, he knows at the deep level of who he is that that's what he was made to do, but pride took over. And so what we do is we basically say, yeah, Satan, I'm going to worship my maker and, and make wage war on you and the things that you're trying to steal from my life and the depression you're trying to bring and the anxiety you're trying to bring and the, the, the comparison that you're trying to fill my soul with. Now I'm going to make war on the enemy and I'm going to worship my God. What happens when we worship? We make war on the enemy. Satan can't stand hearing worship being sang to the one worthy of it. It crushes him. Last thing, we get, when we worship, what happens? We get the right perspective. And, and Chandler, I'll invite you up, buddy, to come to the keys. Thank you, man. This is the one that, that for me, I really will pray that you take a step toward in this area tonight. Um, 
Because as we go into more times in the future worship, as next week we have an opportunity to have a worship and prayer night, we have a few more songs and a little bit more space to let God's spirit move and speak and for people to, to be led by the spirit. My prayer is that you can see the value of this last point here, that when we worship, what happens is our perspective shifts. As I love what Amanda prayed, it's not that always your, your circumstances change. Like you don't necessarily always, like in the moment you're singing, like someone walks over to you and they're like, yeah, I was an idiot. That thing I said to you that really hurt your feelings, like I'm really sorry. And you're like, oh, thank you. Like I was just worshiping and about that. I was bothered by that. Your circumstances don't always immediately change. But what can immediately change is your perspective. And that's just as, if not more, powerful. Because your perspective shifts and shapes your reality. And so if God can help redirect your perspective in the moments that you're like, this is going on in my family. This is going on in my relationships. This is going on in my family's body. This is going on in my whatever it is that you all are carrying things. Man, I cannot tell you how many conversations I've had lately with students, with you guys, where it goes something along the lines of like, I'm, cr- I'm just feeling crushed by how much I feel like I have to do and stay up on and accomplish and expectations to meet from a lot of different people. And that's real. Whether somebody would say like, get over it, you can do it, all those things which are true to some degree. But for you, I mean, when you, that, that's real for you. And man, when you come into God's presence and worship, he takes your perspective off of yourself and everything else around you. And like Amanda said, looking up and he redirects your entire heart and purpose to seeing him and who he is and then just deposits peace comfort, confidence, security that can't come from anybody else. It can't come from getting the the grade on the test that you wanted to get. It can't come from getting the acceptance letter you were hoping to get. It can't come from getting that text back from that person you're hoping to get that text back from. It can't come from whatever it is your heart and soul long to get. It comes from moments, but then it disappears. It fades away. Nothing comes like when that moment in worship and God's presence, he's changing your perspective and you're seeing things the way that he wants you to see him. He's seeing, you're seeing yourself the way he sees you. Changes everything. His love is enough. I am enough. I don't have to perform or impress. Jesus has already done it for me. He's got me in his hands. He's faithful. He's gracious. He's compassionate. Ready? And he's all I need. Man, when he brings me to that moment when I'm worshiping, <sighs> Just that reminder, that perspective change of like, he's all that I need. He's it. I, everything else can fade away. Like, as difficult or painful as that might be. But God, I, Jesus is all that I need. You're everything to me. That, that's what happens. That's what can happen when we worship together. When you worship by yourself. So tonight, I'm just going to wrap up with this challenge. Just as you consider where you are. It was going to be real practical, and I'm just going to pray for you, and we'll, we'll connect and hang out after the service. But, man, I, I really I hope that you can see the opportunity that's in front of you with the next chance that you get to worship, whether that be tomorrow morning before you go to school by yourself or next Sunday when you come together in this group and we're worshiping in our worship and prayer night. But, man, I'm praying that this group of people would rise up and become a generation of worshipers 
that aren't doing it to be seen or to be heard, that push past, some of you, like, some of you, first step for you is just going to be, get out of that awkward place that you're like, I'm comfortable here. I don't want to walk up there. (laughs) I don't want to take my hands. I don't want to unfold them. I don't want to raise my hand. I don't want to open my eyes. I don't want to sing. Some of you just, it's going to be some practicals, like, you just need to get out of your comfort zone one step, and then watch how the Spirit moves and does something powerful in you. What's that one step you need to take in the area of worship in your life? Where, where, what does one step forward look like for you? Because we all have a different one step. But everybody has a one step. And the beautiful thing is Jesus is right there, ready to meet you.